welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Good evening, everyone. I'm C.J. Reynolds, and this is Sunday Night Teacher Talk. Um, look, we're almost on point there. And I'll tell you what, the boy needs a cut. Look at this. Look at this. What's going on over here, man? That's what happens when... Uh, the person that does your hair doesn't. Uh, they had a baby. They had a baby, <laughs> and now you can't can't get them to cut your hair. Now you look like quarantine haircut. Yeah, the baby's taking up all your time. Um, it's really dark in here this week without the ring light. Change the right lighting thing. Can is you your, hit that light over there? Is your brightness down on your computer? Uh, yeah, sort of, but it still looks dark to me. It's a little bit better. Yeah. We uh we're changing some things up here at the Reynolds household and. Uh, it's like, I get ready. Some of the stuff has to go back to school soon. So anyway, if you have not been here before, my name is CJ Reynolds, and I run this YouTube channel called, well, I run this, it's now a business called Real Rap with Reynolds. And the whole idea around that business is really to create content, to create spaces and places for people to connect that will help, uh, help us all to be the teachers that we're called to be, right? So I think that when we start teaching, we have an idea of who we want to be how we want to be, what things are going to be like. And then you get into the, the profession and sometimes it's not, didn't exactly, didn't exactly happen the way you thought it was going to or the way they told you it was going to. But I think that you can get there. And so we are trying to create things, opportunities, places, spaces, content, um, products that are going to help you to get there. So the goal for this afternoon, this evening, or this morning, wherever you are beaming in from the world, is to create a, a space where you can ask any question that you want. Go right into the question section. You just type in your like a cue or uh, the or the word question, and then ask your question. I will literally talk about anything. Right? There's nothing that's too taboo. You're not gonna throw me off my game. Because here's the here's the bottom line. Sometimes I don't know the answer. This happens all the time. Where I'm just like I don't I don't even know what to say to that. But Maisha Hutchinson might know in, in the comment section. Tracy Pinter might know. Laura Green most often knows. Um, James Pete might be able to sprinkle some magic on that thing. Chris Carson might know the answer to it. There's all these other folks that are in there that will answer your question, that will speak to you. And if I even think, if I, I even forgot, I forgot the godfather of them all, John Lopez's answer for basically everything and a story to match that's always entertaining. So that's what we're trying to do here is create this space where you can ask anything. Um, and if you don't want anyone to know who you are, just make it anonymous. Like you don't have to say who you are, like be a Tweety Bird profile or something like that. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm ready to jump in. Um, we've been doing a lot lately, man. We did a Q&A the other night. So the workshop was a week ago, three hour Live workshop. Didn't think it was going to be that long. Thought it was going to be two hours. Uh, there'll be a little break in there. It wasn't. It was three hours. We went. We, that went hard. Then Friday night we did the follow up. I also did a follow up or a meeting with a bunch of um, content creators on Friday night. It's been a lot going on, and I'm still not back at school. Some people have been in school for like a month. I still have a full week off, and then we go back for PD, um, which is getting a little tricky this year. I'm gonna be honest with you. Because I have some speaking engagements, so I'm actually missing professional development, so I can go do professional development for someone else. Um, so that's you know, that's a thing I got to figure out in my life. So, are you ready? 
I'm, ready. I was, I'm just talking. Is there anything you had a question? Yeah, no, I was ready. All right. All right. Chronically speaking is uh, starting us off, and she's saying this was my second week um, teaching ever. My students are incredibly below grade level, and they are struggling with even the basic things like following directions. Um, I am not getting through even half of my lesson plans. How can I pare it down and focus on getting them where they need to be while not lowering my expectations or missing grade level info? Got it. Love it. Um, so first of all, your name is is awesome, um, and your little profile picture is delightful looking. Uh, I always appreciate good profile pictures. You do. Um, look, I think it's about reassessing your what you were thinking, right? And so, or or what's needed. Um, I think in doing that, when we can create expectations for our students that are manageable and clear and consistent, like some some of it, look. Some of this is just going to be you being, if you have kids that struggle with that sort of thing, you have to have a, a well-oiled machine for your classroom. Like when you come in, we do this every day. There's no shifting. There's not a day where it doesn't happen. It's like you come in, like, so you come in, you grab your stuff, your jacket goes here, your lunch goes here, you're sitting at this table, you're looking at this specific spot in the classroom so we know how to kick class off. Uh, when you have a question, you do this. When you have an answer, you do this. When you want to turn something in, you it goes to this place, or you ask this person. Or it is, it is so systematized that it is what that does is it really creates a space where kids can thrive because it's not changing all the time. And I say this as a teacher, but also as a parent. Like I need to, um, and I'm going to use my son as an example here, but like. In growing up, Brody needed to know, like, it wasn't just, even to this point, um, it wasn't just, you, make sure you wash your hair when you get a shower tonight. Yo, bro, make sure you wash your hair. Okay, I will. You had to walk through exactly the steps of, like, where's the bottle? Where is it in the shower? How is it a part of your program? How are we washing our hair? Because sometimes kids just wash that part of their hair. That's it. I'll they'll come downstairs, it looks all dirty and nasty and greasy. But this part looks oddly clean and, and scuffed up. Um, so it's helping kids to, to systematize those things. And then this is the reason that I do like, uh, and I've had various co-teachers that do not like this model, but I start off the, the school year with, when we do vocab words, for instance, it's only five vocab words. That's it. Because I want to start building a sense of success, a sense of you can do it, a sense of like, this is going somewhere so that you can see you can succeed. It is the reason that if you um, look at something like uh, the couch, if, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the couch to 5k program, right? This is how I literally got into running. I made fun of my wife for doing this program because I was like, programs, you just got to run. That's all you got to do. But and then I lost, like I just didn't run ever until I was like 33. The reason that program works, if you're not familiar with it, is it says, look, we're going to run for, we're going to do 20 minutes exercise today. Right. I think it's 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, you're going to run for 30 seconds. And I go, I can run for 30 seconds. Let's just do the whole thing at once. I can't run for 20 minutes. I'll die at this point. But I can run for 30 seconds. Right. Um, and it's not fast. I'm not sprinting in the beginning. I did. But you learn that you can run for 30 seconds. Then we're going to take a two minute walk. That's it. Then you're going to run for a minute. And then slowly but surely, they scale you up. And it feels like you're not working that hard, but you really are. So what we're doing is we're creating a space for students to do work that might be seemingly easy. 
to them, but it's done with great precision, right? So like you're only writing five sentences for this or two sentences for this, but all the capitalization is there. All the punctuation is there. Every, all the verb noun agreement is there. Like we're dialed in. Like these two sentences are spot on, but then we go to three sentences, to four sentences, to five sentences. When we do independent reading, I have classes that I only require, get this, right? In the beginning of the year, eight minutes of, of sustained silent reading because they can't do more yet. Not at least not in the like, it's not just they can't do it. We have 30 kids in a class, right? And they just came from whatever madness they came from before your class to get kids to sit down for for two minutes is impossible. To listen to directions for 20 seconds is impossible. So you're paring down everything to its essence and then building from there. So even when you're giving directions, you're saying, yo, I need everyone's attention. I'm going to give directions. It's going to take me 20 seconds. So I only need your attention for 20 seconds. And then you try to as best you can because no one's counting, right? There'll be that one kid that does count. But for the most part, no one's counting. You're just trying to stick to 20 seconds of what you're doing. And that's how you, you incrementally grow to that. So you haven't lowered your expectations because we're still showing up to the gym every day. We're just saying you only have to do three reps instead of um, seven reps and four sets. We're just doing three. We're just getting to the gym and getting into the motions of doing this. And then we scale up from there and that changes everything. So that's, that's where I would start with this. There's yeah. a, there, I could say a million other things about that too, but that's all I always you feel. To share. I don't share. Okay. Sophie is asking, how could I build a good relationship with students? You can only see one hour a week. Um, that's a great question. Uh, I would say that um, aside from your school time uh, or your class time, it has to be the in-between time. It has to be before school, after school, in, in the hallway. So look, building relationships is so much of that is based on, um, on being visible. So when, think about this, right? Like it is not the, the when you're growing up, it's not the relative that you saw uh, like, and every year they were really great and you saw them once a year and they're always really nice and they had nice things to say about you or they asked nice questions like that. You didn't, that's not the person you're going to call when you need something, when you need money, when you need, um, when you need help, when you need a bit of advice about something, it's the person that you see the most, right? It's that even, and even that person's not the best, right? You go to them because there's a sense of familiarity. So this is why I push for teachers to be at their doors every day, greeting kids as they come in. Cause you're not just greeting those kids. You're talking and engaging with as many people in the hallway as you can, as they walk by, whether you teach them or know them or not. Right. It's just, this is the vibe you put out, right? I'm just, I'm just out here handing out kindness uh, in the beginning of the day, being outside at the end of the day, being um, I, I walk down to the bus stop. Sometimes, sometimes I'm just hanging in front of the school. Sometimes I'm in my room with kids. Sometimes I'm downstairs mixing up with like football players as they're getting ready to go to practice and stuff you're constantly finding yourself in spaces and places where students are. And even if you're not engaging with just with the students that are in those classes that you're spending an hour with, you get known, like kids will see you and you get this reputation of someone that is, um, that's connecting with people like uh, all the time. 
right? Like you're just that person. And so I think that that's how you, you do it. Great answer. Taking pictures of me or something? Oh, no. Shush. All right. Um, our next question. <laughs> our next question comes from Ailey. Uh, long question. Okay, this is a five-parter, so I'm going to scroll and put up each section. Um, do it. This week, I had students submit songs for our class Spotify playlist. Each class has their own unique playlist with music that they like that's appropriate for high school. I had no issues except with one class. We were working on an assignment and a song came on where the singer wasn't quite in tune. Students started laughing. So I went to the computer to check out the artist. I then realized that the artist was a sweet guy who happens to have Down syndrome. A student added it, added it as a joke. I told them that this was inappropriate to laugh and I was deleting it. They begged me not to and I mentioned that that it was ableist thank you and not cool i feel like i missed a great opportunity to sit them down and have a discussion about ableism and making fun of those who have disabilities so i want to do this even when i see them tuesday how do i frame a conversation like this with my class first of all can you just like win an award for even being brave enough to have this conversation um because that's typically like it's something I feel like when I was in high school, they would we would just got yelled at and then we would have moved on. We would have had no idea, but that's you know why sometimes people it's why people that look like me are in the situation we're in sometimes. Um, because no one ever had the like I don't know, those conversations were happening. I think that's an overgeneralization. Anyway, what I want to talk to you about this is this. Um, I think definitely holding a mirror up to your students' behavior is a great idea and helping them to see that like you know that there's humanity in everyone and that we're not you know we're not just dismissing someone because of of their so-called disabilities um but that what we should be doing is championing that person that someone that has down syndrome try to write a like create a rap record what like what are you what are you doing playing Fortnite all night like what what are you doing and I'm, I'm not here to like diss kids and and like I don't want to like uh you know make someone else look great by tearing somebody else down but it is that I just think that that's worth a celebration so to me it is it is starting class and just saying look we need to talk about something and I let it go last week but I wasn't in the space or place yet to do it and look it's not always in the moment that you should have the conversation anyway. Sometimes it's just shutting it down and then going back to it anyway, because you need to process what's going on in your heart and in your mind and, and you know, or or seeing, there's a lot of other factors that you could be doing, but you're, you're, you're getting in the space to be able to enter into the conversation. And I think the best way to enter into the conversation is not by damning anyone or telling anyone necessarily what they did was wrong, although it was, right? You're entering into it first because that because when you do that, right? Let me just let me just paint this picture. When you just go in and tell it, put everyone on blast because this is wrong. And I, look, I have I, I have very strong feelings about you know certain things that people say and do, especially against certain groups. So like, um, you know, like I, I'm gonna be honest with you, like I have I have family members that are like openly racist. And we'll be like at a family party and someone says something out of pocket. And I'm like, you guys even know where I teach? Like, do you know where I've been teaching like my whole life? Like, or who I work with or the people I'm in community with or the friends that I have? Like, like, um, 
And so, or, or when people use like the word retarded, like I have a son that has high functioning autism, right? Like, like this is like, so when someone makes fun of that, it, it, it touches a certain place in my heart that can send me from bliss to pissed in like no time. So I get that. So sometimes it's best to take a step back and then to re-enter it. And I always enter into it out of, with curiosity first, never putting someone on blast. And so that becomes like, I'm wondering, like, I'm wondering why we would pick, like, why was that, why was that funny? And I'm not asking this in a sarcastic or some, like, this isn't coming from like a place of like me trying to catch you. I'm actually curious, like, how was that funny to you? And you have to be real mindful of your tone there because you could come off as like, let me ask something. Um, why was that funny? No one wants to answer that already they're just like no i'm not doing that this is like that's the equivalent of my mom going calling me by my full name charles john reynolds the third get down here and then going come here get a little closer and i'm gauging how long my mother's arm is and is that hand going to catch my face when she swings at me so i'm just like get a little bit closer a little bit closer but instead going um hey look i'm curious i'm trying to understand right i'm old i don't understand how was that funny like what is the thing like what don't i know is that person like, are they on social media? Is this their gig? Like that it's, this is a, is this a collective funny thing in culture right now? I don't know. Um, so you're trying, and even if you know the answer is no, even if you don't care what the answer is, it doesn't matter. What you're doing is entering into a conversation and then you open up and say, can anyone like, like, can we look at what we're really doing here? Cause this is what I, so you share what you're seeing and I'm going to share what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is someone who has a so-called disability that is trying to be maybe, and you have to do some research on this too, like know who this individual is and what their backstory is and why they do what they do and all that kind of stuff. Um, but like, who are you and uh, why are you doing this? And then saying like, this is somebody's like, this was someone's dream. Like my man didn't choose to be born like this, but then he like had this whole dream to do something, then executed like wrote the song, came, found the beats, got a producer, got the recording, like got it out on Spotify, like did all the things. And then like, so now what I'm seeing is someone that tried that, like life told them they couldn't do it and they did it. And then other people are just like shitting on that. Like, you know, don't curse, but like, that's not how everyone should roll in class. But like, um, it is looking at that and saying like, and now you're going to dog them for it. Like, like, I'm just trying to understand that piece of it that it could be funny because we're from afar and having that whole then you enter into that conversation where you're holding a mirror up but you're not you're also not saying what they did was wrong and i just i think there's a lot of value in that what you're doing is letting them come to their own conclusions right you are literally identifying what they did asking them where they were coming from and then saying this is what i'm seeing right i might be wrong does anyone want to speak to that Am I coming from the wrong place? Because I'm open to that. I'm open to that conversation. And then ending it with what we all need to know is that when we do make decisions like this, and I'm telling you this because you don't know, because clearly, because because I don't think you would do, I don't think you would intentionally hurt someone because um, that's not who this class is. But our class is a safe space for everyone. And what we're trying to do here is create a space where everybody feels like they can be themselves, that they can dream as big as possible, that they can find success in what we're doing here. 
um, and that we're helping one another because teaching is a communal activity. Education is a communal activity. We are raising one another up and not by tearing other people down. And that's the kind of space we are creating in this class. That's why that's inappropriate for this class. Now, look, other teachers are going to rock the way other teachers rock. Um, and somebody might not even notice it or, or like take the time to have this conversation. But I'm telling you right now that going forward, we need to know that like the decisions we're making need to be based on safety and the safety of someone's heart and mind is the most important thing in this classroom. And that we need to make sure that everyone feels cared for, seen and heard um, no matter what. Does that, is that clear? And then that's your, I think that's the basis of your conversation that you have with your class. Sorry, that was a really long answer, but that's a great question. That's a great answer. Thanks. Um, our next question comes from Hank. I'm a social studies teacher teaching an elective on World War II. Um, I want to have my students read a biography about a Holocaust survivor, but I've never done a book like this before. How do I uh, structure it? Oh, um, I love this. So I read, uh, used to read Night with my 10th graders. And um, I find that doing that, World War II seems so long ago. It's for it's basically forever ago. Why are we even learning about this? Like, I don't even know. Why do I care? Was there a World War One? Is there a World War Three? Like, what's happening? Like, I don't even know what we're talking about. Were, were we involved in this? Um, I mean, we're talking about kids that, like, on September 11th, they're like, uh, I'm, we're we're part of this generation now, where they go, wait, that was wasn't there like a like a plane crash or something like that? And you're just like, bro, what? is the day the world stood still for me. Like, it was one of those moments where I know exactly where I was, what I was doing, who I was with, like, when it happened. Um, and so for my grandparents' generation, they all had a story about World War II. They all had a story about when JFK was assassinated. They all had a story about when uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Like, but for our students, World War II might as well be a million years ago in a different country, uh, which, you know, it was partially, but our students don't know that. So it is about connecting uh, something. It's about connecting the humanity in that to what you're to today, right? So some of the things that we did when we did this was I we talked about, um, we watched uh, like Saving Private Ryan um, because I thought, because one of the things that like, because one of the other books we read was Lord of the Flies and William Golding wrote Lord of the Flies after being a part of World War II, after being a part of D-Day and having this, like, it blew his mind that like, these are like regular people. These are like butchers and bakers and candlestick makers that are like, like setting each other on fire that like are blowing each other to pieces. Like they're just, they're people. And so, um, or uh, another movie we watched was, uh, I think it was called Letters to Iwo Jima. And it was about, Clint Eastwood made two movies and it was like, here's the American side. And then here's what it looked like to be like from Japan and you, the vision that the Japanese had of America and why they were doing what they were doing, but it brought a humanity to the soldiers. They weren't just like these guys in a dark hole shooting machine guns and they were just evil. It's like, no, these were dads. These were uncles, these were cousins and brothers. And like, um, and talking about, I think connecting to the humanity of, of what war is. Um, we also connected it to um, Call of Duty, which is a video game, and that is the, there's Call of Duty. Uh, I forget which one it is, but it's like based on it's like based on World War II. Um, so talking about that because that's already something kids are playing. I connected it to um, Captain America because Captain America, the original movie, takes place during World War II. 
um, we broke down like like Nazis, and I told talked to stories that I have that are personal um, about people that I know who's like I know people who grew up in Nazi Germany um, who had like family members that were part of the Nazi regime, right? That were, that were killed at war, but like, they don't even talk about it. Right. So we talk about those sort of things too. Like what happens when you come up in something and everyone else is doing it? Like, or what happens in your life when everyone's making a decision and you don't want to do it? Do you have what it takes to say no? Do you have what it takes to stand up for what you believe in? And then relating that to modern day things, like what are things going on right now that you just don't believe in, that you that you stand against or that you stand for? Do you have what it takes to share your voice? Um, so some of that stuff too. And then we we also talked about the only way I could really connect like something like a concentration camp to something that my students would understand is we made the comparison to, to prison. And then we went to a prison in Philadelphia called Eastern State Penitentiary. And... Uh, it's this old dilapidated prison it was the first of its kind. Uh, like Al Capone was there and the Birdman was there. And um, it's a really incredibly intense place. And comparing that to like, you know, th this idea of like being taken away. And, and I'm not trying to make a comparison here at all about like those that were survivors or those that died in concentration camps and, and, and like criminals that would be sent to prison. What I'm trying to do is say like, what happens when your humanity is stripped away? What happens when you just become a number? What happens when um, all that you have in your life is taken away from you? So something like that, like they're all kind of the pieces. Um, and I could go into that in much deeper detail uh, if I had time, but like that, that's some of the stuff I pulled from. Do you want to talk about this? Cause I know this impacted you. It did. Um, my school had us read this book and it was a story about this she was a teenager. She was 13 when she lived through the Holocaust. So it's her whole story. They actually brought her in to the school to meet us all. And she signed my copy. Like it was just so impactful because her story. Well, yeah. was I didn't so... even know that was signed. Mm -hmm. I've seen this book on our bookshelf, but um, it was so impactful to me and really connected. It was so personal because it's such a personal story. And I think that's a way to connect because I was young. And I think this was literally the first book that I read seriously all the way through and like devoured it because it was so, it was just horrific and amazing. And I wanted to get to the end to see if she survived or what happened. Um, and, but how much of that was because like, I think that's the beauty of story is that it takes these sort of like ideas and it connects it to a reality that we can connect with, right? Like where you can yeah. like, it's somebody's story. They say that I, I heard a statistic recently that only 2% of people in the world learn through just informational transactions, right? We're like, um, we are like, it's the kid that sits in class and just sits there and listens to you and then can regurgitate everything on the test. Yeah, that's not um, but it is 98% of people learn through story. So which is why we love movies, which is why we love TV shows and documentaries and learning from one another, but through storytelling, uh, speaks to people and helps them connect better. Okay, our next question comes from Andrea, or yeah, Andrea. Good afternoon, I was curious what approach, um, what your approach would be to an autistic student who last year had broke his teacher's nose. Oh, He's a sixth grader and does not do well with directions. Thanks. Uh, um, yeah, so Andrea, I have, I've dealt with similar issues. Um, 
one of my favorite students of all time was a uh, student had autism. I got him in ninth grade and uh, he never, he got sent to our school because his mom just thought it would be a safer place for him. Mom was single. Uh, student was bullied a lot uh, and bullied in crazy, like crazy ways. Like one time there was, um, I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't know if you remember this and you don't have to listen to me if you don't want to. I know you're trying to do work. Uh, they would chase, he'd get chased home every day so that they could catch him. The kids went to his house and he lived on the second floor and he had like these wooden like deck steps to get up to his apartment. Um, they've removed the bottom two steps. They, they got a hammer and removed the steps so the kid couldn't get away fast enough and he didn't get beat up, right? So then he is violent. Um, so they start sending him on the school bus and he gets in trouble because he beat, I'm not laughing, I'm laughing because it's the, like, the absurdity of it, not because I think it's funny. Um, he ends up beating up a bunch of kids on the school bus. So then they have to send him to school in a taxi every day. Uh, and so then the kid comes to school and he's like trying to navigate the space, but it's very difficult. I, I think that all children want to be loved, cared for, and they want to be accepted for who they are, not for other people want them to be. And, you know, autistic or not, uh, every student is like that. So when you find a student that's had such a horrific past, I don't think that kid, I, I don't know the story, but my guess would be that, um, you know, that something that like, in retrospect, did that kid really want to do that? Are they proud that they did that? Probably not. Um, and if they are, then that's a whole nother conversation. And I, because I really think that the, the heart of it is that they don't, um, and they might front like they did or whatever, whatever happened. I think it's about creating safe spaces for kids to exist. Uh, and coexist with one another. I think it's about creating connections with that student that had a hard time that that punched the teacher and getting them connected with people that will care for them and love them and accept them for who they are. And so for me as the teacher, one of my jobs was I talk to that kid all the time. And if you've ever talked to a student with autism, holy crap, man, they'll talk your ear off for the rest of your life about stuff that you're just like, I don't even know, I don't even know where we are anymore. You're just talking about trains forever forever and ever and ever. Like you're talking about your love of horses or this specific video game or the history of Mario brothers. And you're just like, bro, what are we doing? Like, but I just sit there and listen. I actively listen. I ask questions. I do a little research um, when I go home. So I have some sense of what the hell's going on or what we're talking about. Um, whatever they're into, you're creating a space where you're helping them to be connected. And then you're connecting them with other kids. So one of the things I do is like, literally connect students together, find students with common interests so that they can talk about stuff. Um, I sometimes have to coach other students through what it's like to talk to someone that has autism. So like those students don't pick up uh, a lot of students like that. Um, they don't pick up on like social cues. They don't get the sense that like they're the only one talking and they should listen to someone else. Um, so you sometimes have to help kids identify that and realize like they're no one's they're not trying to be rude they're not trying to be mean right they just this is part of the game of like they are this is something they're they're working out they don't understand sarcasm all the time a lot of students with autism don't um their sense of humor is like skewed there, there's but there's these are things that not everyone knows right so you're trying to help people the students identify that the other thing you can do to help kids feel seen i have older guys all the time every year man i have seniors that i'll identify certain freshmen that just need to be seen. So I'll be like back in the day, like when we were actually in school, I'd get like some of my homies like Kev and Ham and Cephas. And I'd be like, yo, come here real quick. 
check this dude out in the back of the room, the guy with the black hat on. And you're not making eye contact. You're not looking at them or anything. When you see them in the hallway, his name's Chris. You see Chris in the hallway, I just need you to go, yo, what up, bro? Or like say hi to him, or like, hey, what's up, Chris? Or um, how's your day going, kid? And or whatever it is, they're just acknowledging you. So, and what that does is it's putting my seniors in a position of power where they now have like this superpower to just say hello and like raise someone's whole sense of confidence um, just by being seen. It gives that kid a sense of uh, and an ability to be seen and heard. Um, because like what someone even cares about someone knows my name. How's that dude know my name? They're like, cool. Uh, so that's part of it too. Um, and then I think it really comes down to also your team has to have a plan. Like the, there has to be a plan for that student as to like, when they start feeling the feelings, what are they going to do? I, I refer to it as a pain plan. That's how it was taught to me. What is your pain plan? When you start feeling the feelings, what are we going to do? Where are we sitting? How often do I need to check in with you? Do we have a nonverbal cue that like when you're start when something's going on, when you're starting to get agitated, when the feelings are coming up, what do you say or do uh, that's going to tip me off so I can be there for you? Because all I want is for you to be successful. I want you to win unlike any other year that you've ever won before. And but we need to have like a code or, or a connection. that's going to help us do that. I think those some of those things are going to help you. Um, but that that connection piece with other teachers is going to be useful too, because sometimes certain kids will, I, I see it coming. I see that the fire is, is, is starting to burn. So I just like hit up in a text, my man, Stu, my man, Meeks show, uh, yo, you need to come to my room. I need you to like grab, you know, Javon or whatever. Um, which is no one's real name, uh, grab Javon and have a conversation with him real quick or check in or whatever that, that helps when it's a team activity. Yeah, pal. Um, I think this is kick and kicks. <laughs> As a teacher, are you improving on your students' grades and are they learning? Uh, yeah, so that might have been them talking to someone else. Oh. I'm going to say yes, I am, but that's different every year uh, because you have to figure out where your students are so you can bring them up to where you want them to be. And I think that it is damn near impossible to get your students anywhere unless you start at the end the end of this year, where do I want us to be if for these kids, not for ninth graders in general or eighth graders in general or something like that, but like having a true sense of where we're starting and then where do we want to get to? And then reverse engineering that is the move for that all the time. All right. Our next question comes from Thomas. My students will have many differences in specific needs. Many of them will need a one-to-one -one teaching. Any thoughts on how to deal with this without any assistance? I teach music. Yeah, so first of all, great profile picture also. Um, <laughs> it's gonna keep complimenting people. Uh, I think the, so I, hold on. Cause I get what you're saying. I have dealt with this as well, and I'm going to say, and without help, it is difficult, but it's not impossible. I think what you do is you try to create, now look, I've never taught music, but this is, this is how I roll with this. So maybe you go with the vibe with this, not like at the actual specifics, but I will often create groups in class where kids are working on something like a group activity. And you know, ne I never let kids pick their own groups. That's a terrible idea. Um, but I, what I, 
what I often do is put them together. So I have someone that's really, really strong, like above level um, with someone, one or two people that are on level and then someone that's below level, right? So that what that's doing is it's raising, it's raising uh, that that kid has to kind of step up somewhat or they get to at least be around people that are, that are where they want to or need to be. And so that helps level it out just a little bit. And then I give all those like different students a specific job that's going to fit to them. So maybe my student that doesn't read so well is really good at drawing. So your part, you have to listen really carefully what's being read because you're going to have to illustrate this thing while these other students are doing their own jobs of breaking it down or whatever that is. Um, I think it's important to remember that uh, even a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time can help kids get things in motion, right? So like if I think about like teaching someone to write, to ride a bicycle. Um, my daughter learned how to ride a bicycle. I didn't stand behind her and push her the whole way all around the block over and over and over again, right? That's ridiculous. What I do is get her started until she gets as far as she can. And then I go over to her and I start her again. And then we do that and do that and do that and do that until they find success. I think that that helps also. I think also redefining what success means in your class is important for individual students. Fair is not equal. So what if we're giving a project or an assignment or there's a piece of music that you're going to learn, what is this kid going? How are they learning like a, a slightly different version of it? Are they being expected to know a certain like maybe a part of that and not the whole thing? But you are creating a pathway to success for individual students. And then knowing that even if you only get a few minutes here and there of individualized one on one time, that's going to help. I also am a really big believer in creating spaces and places where um, students can connect with you outside of class. So like sometimes like I once when I first started teaching, um, I had I was teaching in Camden, New Jersey, and about I don't know, we'll just say 50 percent of my class uh, were English as students of, that spoke English as a second language. Right? They were coming from Mexico, Dominican Republic, usually um, Puerto Rico. And so. English wasn't a strong suit. So we're in reading something like the Odyssey, it was very, very difficult. So I had a club after school that was just like me and all the kids that that struggled with this because there was a language barrier. And we just made like a fun hangout zone where like they'd run to the corner store and like get snacks and stuff. Sometimes like girls would like bait. It was always girls. Boys never baked me anything in my whole life. But girls would, like bake stuff and like bring it in or like make food that their that was like part of their culture and bring it in and stuff and share it. And we'd all be like sitting there and eating food and listening to jams and like working through stuff. So you created this space of like, it's cool. Like, you know, that they're not going to get it there, but can you create another space if you have the time and energy and, and room to create a space where it's like, this is where we're catching up. This is where we're, we're working through the homework together. And so that, that to me really works because then it's, the expectations are off in that time and, and place. Like kids can be who they can be. And what I found was some of the students that came in that were very quiet in class, very shy, very like their confidence had been really diminished because they felt stupid. It was like bringing kids in and, and being like, no, man, this is where you could be who you are. And that had a tremendous effect on, on class when doing stuff like that.
Next question is coming from These are great questions. Savannah Ghost Research Society. Oh. That's a heck of a name. <laughs> I thought was, what if that was her real name? Um, That'd be awesome. Kind of tricky. Okay, uh, she's asking, do you have any tips for homeschooling your own kids? I teach all the subjects and every day <laughs> gets redundant with them being left in a in a blah of routine. Love your videos, by the way. They get me pumped to teach. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, Miss Ghost Research Society, um, I think that it's simple shifts make great changes in your classroom, right? Um, that when you, I, I was just, so look, I could put ideas out there, but it's like, if you want to go with them, you go with them. Sometimes I give my wife ideas and she doesn't really, she's just, she's, she's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> so I was thinking recently, um, my kids do some stuff that's online, right? So, so we have programs that are online and my daughter and I uh, went on a date the other night or the other morning and we went and got coffee and, and croissants. And we were sitting at this spot where like, it's like a cafe and like everyone's inside and they're just like on their laptops and they're all doing work. And I'm like, oh, like, would it be fun if like, instead of just working at the dining room table, what if we like just grabbed our, our laptops and we just like went to a cafe one day, even for 30 minutes. And like, you can get like, um, you have to do your work, but when you're done, like we'll just get croissants and coffee or something like that and, and have a conversation or take a walk or just go home. But you're, I think sometimes it's those shifts of like, um, and Dave Burgess talks a lot about this in his book, Teach Like a Pirate. Uh, where is your content being delivered? So it's the same content. You're sharing it the same exact way. You're doing the same things, getting the same, you know, getting to the same ends. But can you shift the location in your school, in your classroom? Like everyone's sitting on the floor. Everyone's sitting in a circle. Everyone's down in the lunchroom. We're going out into the field. We're going to the school front steps. We're going into the parking lot. We're going down the block to this great mural that's down there that that I can, can connect like what we're learning to what is happening in the mural. But that kind of shift, uh, can we play music over this? Can the way we deliver this be different? So just thinking about things that are kooky or fun or weird, so that are gonna shift it a little bit. So for years we did, we've written ghost stories in my class and I always put like um, something over the windows I have uh, to make it dark. And then I always had kids sit in the front in a desk and read it. But then one day, like I found a real uh, rocking chair and I was like, oh, it'd be a lot cooler to like read ghost stories like from a rocking chair. Then somebody like was getting rid of all these tea lights, like these battery powered tea light candles, hundreds of them. So my room looked like a, looked like a slow, sexy jam in there. All of a sudden it looked like a boys to men video. Cause I had like 50 votive candles that were all battery powered around this rocking chair, like on all different levels and stuff all over the walls and blacked out the room. And then we were reading ghost stories. And then a couple of years ago, we started, I realized that like, you know what, like the school basement is a terrifying location, right? I've talked about the school basement a lot. It looks like it's from Lord of the Lord of the rent or Lord of the, what the hell is it? Not Lord of anything. I don't know. Silence of the lambs. I don't know where I was going with that one, but uh, so we take the candles. Now we parade downstairs into this dark basement. And then that's where we read ghost stories. So it is, but, and so the lesson's exactly the same. I've been rolling this lesson out since the jump, but like the way we're doing it is slightly different. So I think that takes, sometimes it's just like a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and some dreaming time and thinking like, what would be, how would this be fun? What if this was fun? And don't think about 
necessarily the kids that are in your class all the time because they can they'll put they'll put limits on your stuff you'll think like um you know this would be great oh not with jeremy he ruins everything oh kate keys if we go down there she trips over everything she's going to trip or fall which is going to get tetanus like what you want to do is just have what if this was just fun what if this was easy um what if this was great or memorable and so then you start thinking about how you can do this what if i could connect this to something what if, what movie tv show song could i connect this to what project would just be fun to do this and then start there start with the dreaming portion and not the practicality of it because then once you get excited about a dream then it's like just connecting this to this it's just reverse engineering it and trying to find a way for these two things to meet in the middle and i think that's where the fun comes in and look you try stuff and if it's flaming like mess of disaster then you bring that up to the class look this obviously didn't go so well. I thought this was going to be awesome. This is a, this is a disaster. Uh, but what we're trying to do here, when I, the lesson in this from me is that we're always trying stuff. We're, we're trying to get to a place. Like, I want you guys to know that. I want you to have a great day. I don't want this to be boring. So we're going to keep trying stuff. Um, so know that, like, try this. It failed. We're not going to go right back to doing it boring. We're going to try and pivot and come up with something else. Does anyone have any ideas of what we could do? then the class is a part of that conversation. And then it's, it just moves on from there. I think that is what moves like that has have been what have made my most extraordinary classes that I've ever had the most extraordinary classes I've ever had, because I've been not afraid to fail publicly and to try stuff. Alex is asking, how do you bring magic when you're in survival mode? Transitioned career to teacher this year have been subbing other classes often during prep. When I feel behind, I don't feel creative. Yeah, dude, that's such a great question. Alex, you have a message to me on Instagram, I think, and I have not checked it yet because um, I've been, it's, it's hard to get through all that stuff. Anyway, there's a great question. Um, and my answer is you can't, uh, like, so I'm going to unpack that for you. I don't, I'm not going to, this is going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try and motivate you and inspire you here. But like the, the bottom line is like when you, it's like, imagine you're in a relationship with someone and you're just like, it just sucks, man. Like we just don't get along. And I really don't even like being around them. Like, what can I do to like have a better relationship? Basically nothing like it, like, you know, if you're not, I think it's, yeah, that's why it's so important um, to, to, to be the person that no matter what happens, you're on fire all the time. So a couple of things I'm going to talk about. One is that this is why I have a morning routine. Um, my morning routine, and I have a whole video on this, uh, that I should update this year because it's slightly different now, but like is the, the gist of it is to be the greatest that I can be when I walk in the school, not the best ever. Like I, like I, I, I don't even know what the hell that is, but it's like trying to put myself in the best place possible so that like not, there's no negativity in my morning. There's nothing that like, it's so systematized and dialed in that like, it just can't go wrong. It's not easy. As I have to get up, I get up way earlier than anybody else that I teach with or that I know. Um, it's about creating a moment where I am, uh, I am putting the pieces in place to make me the best I can possibly be when I'm walking in the building, right? So right then, 
it's just a different energy walking in. I'm not, I don't feel like my soul's been sucked away. I don't feel like I'm tired. I'm lethargic. I, you know, whatever. So like from the night before, um, what am I doing through the night before getting a great night's sleep? Excuse me. Getting a great night's sleep. I had this kombucha and it's giving me like, like random hiccups. Um, <laughs> kombucha is disgusting anyway, but that's one of the things I do. That's disgusting, but I just do it because it's good for me. So that's one thing. The other thing is when transitioning a career, um, it, it's look, teaching is a craft, man. And, and it's like anything else. You just have to get better at it over time. Like no one in the like people will beat themselves up after their first day of teaching and be like someone in the Facebook group said this recently where they were like, How, what do you do when you go to your first day of teaching? It's so bad. You don't want to go back for your second. And I immediately thought no one in the world has ever taken a piano lesson and been like, Shh, I just crushed that. Like, bam, I'm going, I'm going on the road. Like, this is like, where's the band? Let's get the band together. No, you took one piano lesson. And even if you took piano lessons and you like, like you would go to college, um, to get on a stage is a different thing right now. Like now it's like, I'm good at playing piano in my living room, but like now I'm like, have to perform for people. That's a different muscle. It's not just, it's not just playing the music. It's like, how are you getting people stoked about it? How are you like, what's the set look like? What's the emotion look like? And then how do I show up and do this fresh every day for five times a day to do this thing? You have to be in a certain place and space to be able to do that. So it's being kind with yourself and looking for, for markers of like, all right, so if my whole day sucks, how do I make the first five minutes not suck? How do I dial that in? How do I get kids in the room, get them in their seats, get them on, on purpose, like on task. Um, and then if the wheels fall off in 10 minutes, whatever, but I got that first five or that first 10 and how do I get the first minute under control? And like, we're, we're, we're rock and rolling from the jump. So it's about, it's about identifying the things that are sucking your energy away, the things that are the most difficult in class, the students that are the most difficult in class, and then trying to deal with those individual situations in a way that are is going to allow you to build upon those to get better and better and better and better and better. Um, with regards to subbing other classes during preps, that's nonsense. You should not be doing that. And I would tell the school, like, look, like, just have a conversation. You're you're not a like, I don't, teachers are needed, especially teachers that love what they do. So this concept of like being like, I'm, I'm going to put a real plane like this. And I'm not, I'm not even trying to come at anyone, but like, and this is for all teachers. So often schools give you a plate of crap and then people just got used to eating it somewhere along the line. Right. Instead of saying, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not eating this. Like my, I need, I need my prep. So like, cause I'm trying to prepare for class or thoughtfully grade something. I just put out a video on how to say no. So that's probably a good resource for people too. But like, it's about figuring out, like if education is only ever about the students, how can I be there best for my students? But I can't do that if all my preps are taken up by subbing for someone else's class. Like, no, I'm trying to like get ready for my own classes or grade my own stuff because I don't do stuff when I go home. I do stuff during contracted hours anymore. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation. But like, it is... I think cre trying to be the best version of yourself that you can be about having um, micro goals that you can stack over time and then clearing the space so that the school's not running your day. You are running your day. You are a professional. Um, and 
looking at last thing, looking at the things that you brought when you transitioned in, like that, the beauty of that is you have so much more to give sometimes than someone that's just starting out, right? Because you've lived a whole other life. You've done a whole other career. You've done all, like, I didn't start teaching law as 27 and that felt like a million years late. But then I was like, I've like worked real jobs and like hard stuff and been through things in my life. And like, that's made me, that's been cross training. All that is cross training for what I'm doing now. And so I think that's where you start and then you, you scale it from there. Long, long answers today. Always. Woo. Big questions. All right. Scott's asking, are there any ed tech resources that you recommend? Well, Scott, now that you bring that up, um, I hope your, your little baby's doing well. Um, Oh, that's right. He had him on live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ed Tech that I am thinking about is I really like. Um, I think. Look, so, here's the thing with with Ed Tech is that like it gets played out like pretty quickly. So like all the bells and whistles kind of lose their 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 whimsy after a while. Um, but like, so like Kahoot was hot for a minute last year and then every teacher was doing it. And I mean, it just someone listed a, a fun looking new game in our, in our group. In a Facebook group? Yeah. They had like a picture with their post of their oh, classroom nice. and had like lights and stuff and, um, they were playing a game. So I'm sorry, that's no, <laughs> not very helpful, yeah. but if you can go back in there and look, um, I know it was in there somewhere. So I don't have time to talk about how I use these things, but I will tell you what I use. I use Kahoot. Um, listen wise is a new one. I am sponsored by them or I have done promoted videos for them. So this isn't just a sponsored post. I'm, I really like their stuff. I only actually do like, I only partner with companies I think are actually great, but like them, uh, New York times, uh, just type in New York times lesson plans. I use their stuff a lot. I use, uh, I used to use Storybird. Um, I'm not sure if they're still around and I used to partner with them too, but they have really great stuff as well. Um, I story bird, not storyboard. Yeah, story bird. Yes, tell storyboard. Storyboard is a thing too. Oh, uh, so what's that? I think. Oh, I did that one. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like expensive. Like, because what I used to use, I used to use a, a site called tunedo.com to help kids make comic books for class. But then they got like someone hacked them and gave away everyone's information, and then they went out of business. And I was like, what? Guys, like, can someone like pick up that idea and like just. Like take the IP and like create something better because I really liked it and it was really easy to use. Um, I what else do I use? Uh, Quizzes, Quizlet. I don't use Quizlet so much because not all my students have phones and not all of them have laptops. Uh, But I do like their stuff. I think it's very useful. I really like Flipgrid. um, And oh, and Sporkle. Here's a here's an underutilized site for educators, and it's not just education stuff. It's just fun. Sporkle, S-P-O-R-K-L-E, I think, um, is super fun. I love it. I do use it for all kinds of dumb stuff, too. So, yeah, that's what I use. Okay, our next question comes from Violet. I was given an accelerated learning class for bio, which I have never taught. I need to teach everything in one semester, and they will be tested at the end. Any tips on lesson plans? So, oh, my gosh. What is with school? I had it. That happened to me one year. I was working with a new teacher who was my mentee and he was, he went to school to teach English, had his master's in it. And then they had him teach like biology or physics or something with numbers. And I was like, what? What? Bro, what? He's like, dude, I never taught this in my life. I don't even know what I'm doing. Then they put him in charge of the robotics team. He's like, I'm like, was that your jam? Like, he's like, 
I don't know anything about this. I'm like, why do teachers, why do schools do that? How that's do like, oh man, hey, uh, are you really good at drumming? Here's what we're going to have you do. You're going to play guitar. What? What? Uh, so look, I mean, I would, I would find something that already exists and then replicate that. So like find a curriculum that like you get the school to buy. Don't pay for this yourself. Try and like talk to school into buying it or or find stuff online that you can use. So like, don't recreate the wheel. I think that especially in your first year, it is using stuff that already exists and figuring out ways to sprinkle magic on that. So read it, uh, look at it in a way that's like, how can you connect this to other things that are fun or weird or exciting or funny and, and doing that? Um, I would also, Violet, connect with people on the Facebook group. Like I would either, so on, here's something a lot of people don't know. When you're looking for information on the Facebook group, if you go in there, there's a little magnifying glass search bar at the top and you can search the Facebook group. So you could put in there biology or like accelerated learning or whatever. Extra management, whatever yeah. topics you're looking and you'll for. Find on. All you'll find the, all the previous posts yeah. and threads and resources and information. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing I would do is I would reach out to, um, I'm going to put her, I'm going to put my girl right on the spot. So this is my friend, Becky wrote this book called Expedition Science. Now she teaches grade school, but she was, I think an English or history teacher. She was given a science class to teach and she just decided she was going to crush it. And she is literally like one of the coolest teachers ever. Um, and she's even, I mean, you're, you're, you will know soon enough. You will, people will know her name. Like, like they just know who Becky is because she's get she's getting into some very, very interesting territory. Um, but she just started, she just does Now she goes on like expeditions with National Geographic all summer. She was just in Iceland this summer. She travels all over the place. She's in the Amazon rainforest doing stuff. And so um, I would, so there's her last name. It's Becky Schnecker, but hit her up on Instagram. You can tell her I sent you there and then see what she has for you also. And she would be a wealth of information, I'm sure. Um, but make sure you tell her that Reynolds sent you there. Otherwise she's just going to think, how, who is this person? She's probably nice enough that she wouldn't even do that. But. She wouldn't. I don't think she cares. Uh, Kaylin is asking, how do you feel about having students apply for classroom jobs? What would be your number one job to assign that they might not think of? Uh, my friend Hillary does this in school and it works brilliantly for her. Uh, I have kids apply to be my teaching assistant every year. So we have this thing where older students can come back to grades that they've previously like class they previously had and be teaching assistants. Um, and I'm, I'm the only one to my knowledge that has kids apply. I have a, a McDonald's application. I have them fill out and there's a coloring page on the back and yeah, a it's, lot, not, it's from somewhere else. It's, it's from not, Fiji. Cause there's a McDonald's in Fiji well, apparently. <laughs> um, uh, so I use that. And then I even look at their coloring ability on the back, like who didn't do it, who didn't turn it over, who didn't follow directions, who colors like a hot damn mess. Um, and then who pays attention to detail? Because I only want dudes that pay attention to detail. So that's that's something that I do. I think it's a great idea because you're also going to see what kids want to do. For me, it's um, cleaning things. Uh, and look, any there's there's stuff that you don't think kids are going to like doing that they like doing. Like I have kids that like cleaning desks. Um, I have my, my, I clean my whole room. I dust things in my room. I wash my windows. I wash my desk every week. The kid that cleans my whiteboard is a trained professional <laughs> at cleaning whiteboards. Cause I want that thing. It's like going to a, like a detailer for my car. 
um, which I'm very into having a clean car also, by the way. Um, it is having kids that uh, organize my books, that check in my books. So um, Libib, I think, is something we, we've been using for a while, which is a way for me to like scan books in and out like a librarian from my classroom library so I know who has what. So having kids organize that stuff. Um, kids that like to grade stuff. Kids that like to um, organize papers. Kids that like to run errands and move, like go to other teachers and send messages for me and stuff like they're like my own little carrier pigeons. Um, kids that like to move stuff in the classroom. Kids that like to to build stuff, to make stuff, to help me create things for projects that we're going to do the next day. Um, sometimes those are things that are every day and sometimes it's once a week. Sometimes it's when I need you, but you're my go-to gang for like, oh, this delivery came in from the office. I need you to run down and go grab it for me. Those are my guys that do that all the time. And that really helps. Okay. We're going to answer just a few more questions. Got it. Um, sorry. Got it, coach. Back from Got it. Let me sing a song. No, 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 no. I don't want you to sing a song. Uh, I really watched, I just watched right the Bee Gees uh, documentary on HBO and it was phenomenal. So I could sing some Bee Gees jams. Uh, Wes is asking, how do you spark a fire of reading books in your students? So this is such a, I love this question because it is something that I'm passionate about, um, but that's something that I always attain. So I think to get kids to like reading, one, you have to create reading time in your class. Uh, for me, read, creating reading time in my class is I allow my students to sit anywhere that they want, but I trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. So if you lay on the floor and you fall asleep every time, guess what? You can't lay on the floor anymore. Um, I have like little weird reading hideouts in my room. There's a couch that is varying degrees of comfortability, but kids like sitting on it anyway. <laughs> they uh, can sit at their desks. They can sit at another desk. They can stand up. They can lay on the floor. They can, you know, whatever. Um that helps. And then you have a designated time for reading. And then I'm always reading with them when they're doing that. So I'm not grading papers or, or on my phone or doing something else. I'm engaged in the activity with you. Um, something I got from my friend, Randy, uh, Randy would always walk in the class. And if he was, he's constantly reading books, he would just start class by saying like, Hey, look, before we get started, I got to tell you about, I'm reading this book. And, um, it starts off like this, or the character said this, or let me just read this one part because I thought it was such great insight for people. So you are sharing your love of reading all the time with students. Um, I've had like times where I, whatever book I'm reading, I'll have like on the board, like, or it's on my opening PowerPoint, like currently reading this. Um, so kids can see at the clip, which especially when I'm in school, during COVID, I didn't read as much, um, but I, would constantly have like what I was reading up on the board. So kids knew what I was reading. <clears throat> I am constantly asking kids to share like, you know, who's reading something that they love today. Like, so at the end of independent reading time, like what's going on in your book that you thought was dope today that you want to share. And then having kids share stuff that often leads to other students going, wait, what book are you reading? Like, what, what's that? I didn't even know that's what that book was about. And now they want to read it also. And I think the other thing that's so crucial is, getting books in front of kids that they want to read. A lot of times things like, you know, libraries are limited, school classrooms are limited, funds are limited, but it's, you know, getting a donor's shoes, finding someone that's going to donate books, um, going to your, I get a lot of stuff from my local library where they have, I guess, I don't know why they get rid of stuff. If it's just like they have too much of one thing or if someone donated it or whatever, but there's this whole section when you leave my library 
of stuff they're just getting rid of. And last year I found like a bunch of Jason Reynolds books in there. I found copies of the hate you give like, like recent stuff. Um, autobiography of Malcolm X, like there's just all kinds of stuff that you can get. And those are free books. And then I think there's something really special to when those books come in, um, even that's an event. So like we do a whole unboxing when like my new order from Amazon comes in, like, all right, what books came in and here's what they are. And oh, I'm so excited about this one. This is so dope. Or I ordered this one because look at the cover also so sick uh, that builds engagement too. So you're making like reading is like, not just this thing we have to do. It's this thing that like you get excited about and you're sharing stuff about kids and making it an event all the time as much as you can and playing music behind like the, un, the, the unopening and like even the way that sometimes the box is delivered to my room is another Dave Burgess trick. The way the box is delivered to your room. So let's say you come into school and there's an Amazon box waiting for you with new books, even if it's five friggin' books in there. You talk to someone in the office. Maybe it's like the person at the front door. It's a security guard, somebody. And you say, Hey, look, you write on there. I need you to bring this book in at 210 to bring this box into my classroom at 210, right? And just leave it on my desk. That creates like a, like a sense of like, you tell the kids like, look, that book deliveries come in today. I can't wait to show you what I got. Um, and then when they walk in, it builds a sense of anticipation or you can write, like you can just make an event out of it. And I think all those things help to build uh, like a love of reading in, in students. And look, bottom line, if you don't, build a love of reading in, in students, it's okay, right? It's okay. But what you're doing is plant, where sometimes we're just planting seeds and some of those seeds are not going to grow right away, but some of them are going to grow. I had a kid last year hit me up and was like, yo Reynolds, do you have a copy? I'm in college. I'm broke. You have a copy of like an old copy of Lord of the Flies sitting around that I could have. Um, and he was up at school in Maine somewhere. So I just went on Amazon and for like four bucks, like I could get, because it's so cheap to get Lord of the Flies. I got him a brand new book, wrote him a nice note and I mailed it off to him. That He probably hated, we read it freshman year and he probably hated it, right? He probably didn't even want to read it. But now he said, he's like, I don't even remember reading much of that book. And I, he thought it was so impactful now. So sometimes we're just planting seeds in kids and it's our excitement that's contagious. And, but that takes time to mature. All right, two more questions. Got it. Tata is asking, uh, I would like to be an educator and don't have any other specific interests. There are not many undergrad education programs in the U.S. Would you advise taking it or should I start with uh, other fields? Um, if you want to be an educator, I'd say just go for being an educator, like find a place that you can start doing that. Um, but then uh, if you don't have a specific interest, I think that it's think here. Here's where, where I think you start with that and then where I think you go for me. Um, I think I could have taught any grade. Um, I really thought about being an elementary teacher for a long time, but when I thought about who, who was the teacher that I needed growing up? Cause I never had a teacher that was like that. Like when you, when you watch the movies, when you see TV shows, when you hear people talk about, Oh, I became a teacher because my third grade teacher was so magical or someone in 10th grade, like just like lit a fire in me. I like never had that teacher ever. I had nice teachers. I had really loving teachers in some parts of my life, but never anyone that like encouraged me to like want to teach. Um, and so I thought, who was the teacher I always needed? Like when I think about how I struggled and how I learned and how I, you know, my, my own school experience. And then when did I need them? And so for me, it was ninth grade, ninth grade. I didn't talk for most of the year and I wasn't necessarily selective mute, but like I just had no, I had zero self-confidence. 
Um, I didn't know what I believed in. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know I didn't like. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know how to connect with people. I didn't know how to make friends. I didn't know how to be myself. So that was a real struggle for me. And I went to the worst high school in Southern New Jersey. Um, and I didn't know it when I went there. Uh, but like on my first day of school, I talk about this in my book. Um, a kid got thrown through a window as I was waiting to get into the lunchroom that day. Cause they had to check our IDs. Uh, because the year before someone blew up a bomb, like had a pipe bomb, blew up the trash can, right. This, this kind of place I went to. So like, um, I didn't, and I was like, not tough. So I just didn't even know how to connect with anyone or how to be like connectable. I'm not sure if that's a word, but so for me, it was like in ninth grade, I needed someone to see me, um, invisible, quiet, under the radar, me, and to help me to unlock my potential, to just let me see what was already there. Right. That not even to put anything into me, but to just sit, let me like hold a mirror up to my, to my awesomeness and let me know that it existed. And that's where you start. And then for me, it was like, what subject would allow me to do that the best? And for me, that was English. Plus I suck at math. So I know my limitations and I don't go there. Uh, and then I think the next step is even when you're in college for education, it's constantly finding schools that will let you come and sit in. So you can start getting a sense of like the kind of teacher you want to be in the real world and what kind of classes that you want to be in. So like the science become really magical to you. Does English pop or do you like, you know, that kind of thing where you're informing that, that decision. I think that's where I would start. Um, last question. Mallory is asking, how do you handle students who walk into your classroom and are visibly upset about something? Sometimes I will have students, especially my girls, who will, will come into the class upset. Um, I, to me, it is letting kids know. I mean, this is such, I love this question so much. Um, you know, it's hard because sometimes class is very, very busy already. Sometimes you had a lesson plan planned. Sometimes you were, were planning on like juggling fire that day and it was going to be the greatest. And then someone comes in, they're crying or they're mad or they rage or they just put their head down and want to go to sleep. And it, that can feel, look, let's be honest. Sometimes that feels defeating as a teacher of like, Oh my gosh, can we just teach? Can we just, can we just live? Like I had this whole thing planned, but then you remember that education is only ever about the students. You remember this was never about you anyway and about all of your planning and that you can still do that. But growing up, you know, you're, you know, we're seeing this, like I see this now on having like a, a teen and a preteen is like their emotions are just right there, right? It's like, oh. it's like, it's right <laughs> under the skin, right? Like it's like someone will say something to somebody and they take it so to the heart but that's just where they are developmentally. Right. And so that remember also that kids can switch really quick too. We're like some stuff will be going down one day in the house and, and, and someone's all emotional. And then like 10 minutes later, they're just like, Hey, can I bake cookies? And it's just like, what just happened? Like, I don't even know what just happened. Um, I think it's the exciting part is to let kids know that that's a, that's allowed in your class. You can come into my class being upset and it's a safe space for everybody to exist. Um, it's about having a plan in place with you and your, and your community of educators to like know if someone needs to get pulled for something, know if somebody like, so if I need to have someone come down and pull someone, um, maybe there's, it's checking in with kids and being like, what's going on? Do we need, what can I do for you? Uh, sometimes I have, I have kids that like, and everyone knows this, like if you have a day and you just need to check, 
you can check. Meaning like if you need to just lay on the couch, if you need to sleep, if you need to just um, not be bothered and you just want to put in headphones and like, I don't care what we're doing. It could be a test, could be a project, could be, I don't give a crap. Um, but your mom had it out that morning. Uh, dad, something you and dad between you and dad happened the night before, like whatever it was, like your dog died. Like you, there are days when you can opt out with no penalty. There's a fly in my face. Um, and that to me is like, it doesn't happen all the time. You're not allowed to do it every day, but if, you know, two times a year, three times a year, you come in, you just can't handle it. That is creating that space. And that's always following up with that child later. Um, so they don't get to like run my class. I won't change everything, but they, so, cause they need to know that like, I'm in the middle, like I have, there's 30 other people in this class that I'm in the midst of this with, but I want you to know that I see you. I care about you. What can I do? What can we do right now? Do you need a moment? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need to get a drink? Do you need to talk to someone? Do you need to just sit on the couch? Like, let's figure that out to the best that we can. And then somewhere, somehow during class, when everyone's doing work and they're like doing work on their own, then I go and check in with that individual. Um, maybe I buy them lunch. Maybe I talk to them after school. Um, but it's about that sort of thing. I think overall, it is like, uh, like, like I always say, look, you're not going to have an answer for everyone. My students go through things that I just cannot fathom. And sometimes kids are going through things that you just can't identify with anyway, right? Like you're just like, you're because you're not 12 anymore or 14 anymore. And it just seems like so trivial to you. But what you're doing is remembering that your attention is more important than your advice, that just showing up and just listening and caring and being in the moment with someone is the greatest gift you can ever give someone. And I think about how often, like, and I use my wife as the example all the time. She doesn't want my advice. She doesn't want me to be like to fix it for her. I'm a fixer, right? But like, this is how I grew up. I'm, I like fixing people, um, which is probably why I have a friggin' YouTube channel. But like, it is sometimes it's not just the fix. Sometimes it's just the attention and the, I'm really sorry you're going through this. Um, it really must suck. And I'm really honored that you would share this with me. Um, what can we do? Nothing. Okay. So this is what I'm going to do. I have to teach class. I'm going to check back in on you in a little bit. If it changes, let me know. Why don't you come in and we'll have lunch together today. And then you just have lunch. You don't just jump into the problem. It's like, what's going on? What, what's happening? And then that, that's a whole nother conversation. I could probably coach people through as to like how to have those conversations in a meaningful and authentic and, and, and safe way. Um, but that's a whole nother things. But I think that's a good place to, to start on. We good? Well, no, don't say that because there's tons more questions and I hate leaving people hanging. Um, but it's for, okay. Oh, for the day? Yeah, there's I know, but more. we're in an hour and 15 minutes in. Mm -hmm. And I did two hour long phone calls before. Ooh, man. It's Ooh, we work. We are working. Gang, I really appreciate you guys coming on here. Look, if there's ever anything I can do, um, I'm oh, gosh, I'm just you. I'm thinking about a lot of stuff lately that I want to Maybe I'll start asking in the Facebook group what people think about. I think you do. Like some of those things we were thinking about. You have lots of new ways and ideas to help serve teachers. Yeah, That's yeah. what we're growing. With. So um, if you're not a part of it, I really think that like following us on social media, look, I don't care if I have the number of followers I have, right? But what I'm looking for is like to try and create content that's going to help people. Um, but our Facebook group is a really great way to connect with people. Also to find like-minded educators that are going through the same things or trying to build uh, grow into the, the kind of teacher that you are as well. Um, and then anything else that you want to know about us can be found at realrapidreynolds.com. You can get the book there. You can get uh, speaking engagements signed up. You can get mentoring gigs, all kinds of stuff. That's where 
Um, you can sign up for our, our workshops uh, that, we're, that we're planning out for this year. The newsletter that has been on hiatus. Um, but, you know, all, all the stuff is there. And uh, I think that's it. Anything that's else? It. Yeah. All right, gang. I hope you have a really wonderful week and you have a great day. Uh, and thanks to everybody that's helping out on here too. I want to say, speaking of Maisha, all my homies that are on here, like helping out and making sure that people are, are their needs are being met as much as possible. That's it, gang.